What I want to try and do to you this morning is try and help you understand how the universe works. Okay. <laughs> is that okay? So, so, uh, and the part that you play in the universe. Wow. Is that all right? Yeah. So this is just task, my task in the next 40 minutes is to try and put that together. Because um, God's the God of all the universe, is he? And what's he going to put together? He's going to reconcile all things in heaven and on earth. So his purpose is put together into one united thing, all things in heaven and on earth. That's a pretty big task, eh? That's why Jesus died and rose again. And that was his purpose when he came. He came for a purpose, Jesus. when, When it talks about that it was for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. There was a purpose what he did and he always had had a purpose that is actually has eternal reality and consequence so so you're you're caught up in an an eternal enterprise which is god's idea okay so god's got big idea it's god's got a dream so i see sometimes you think oh well god's got a dream god has a dream and he dreamed it up when did god start dreaming That's an interesting question. So when did God start dreaming? Well, the answer is before the foundation of the earth. So when did he first dream of you? Yeah, it says it very clearly. In in Ephesians chapter 1, it was before the foundation of the earth. It was out of his good pleasure he chose you. Isn't that not amazing? Ephesians chapter 1, it says, it, it was his good pleasure... Before the foundation of the earth, he chose you, and he chose you to be something. It's, it's interesting. He, he chose you individually to be something, but not just something individually, to be part of something that is massive. And what I want to try and help you understand is you've got a very personal, individual significance, but you're part of something that is massive, which will ultimately fill the whole universe. Isn't that amazing? That's what it says. That's Ephesians. That's what it, I'm not, not I've got time to go through all the scriptures on that. But if you look at Ephesians chapter 1, it's, and he said this, it's for his pleasure. This is what God does for pleasure. So you're part of his pleasure. You're part of his dream. And one of the ways I describe this talk, talk is being on God's dream team. You like to be on God's dream team? Now, for some of you, being selected to be part of a team is a painful memory on the school playground, hoping that you're not going to be the last one to be picked. <laughs> that was you, was it? <laughs> I think we talked about that. He looks like, like he should be good at basketball, but apparently he's not. <laughs> do, you know, but do you understand? There's that, oh, because... Oh, being picked to be part of a team, literally for some people, is, is a, oh, oh. And okay, I was, I was on the school playground, somebody had to pick me. But they really wished they hadn't had to. So you get sort of tolerated. <clears throat> some people apply that to their Christianity. That somehow I got in, but probably a bit of a mistake on God's part 
and I was probably the last pick. <laughs> you, were, you were picked before the foundation of the earth. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> so you're on God's dream team. So as we were worshipping, I just got, God reminded me of something. So how much do you think God knows about you? So I'm not, I'm not Facebooking right now. I'm looking up Bible verses. It's, you, can have, you can't tell nowadays, actually, when you're preaching, you're thinking, what's that? Can you you're taking notes. Yeah, I'm trusting you. It's, it's all about a matter of trust nowadays that you're not on Facebook or... Well, what was this snacks business? I think we might... Well, snacks, snacks, you know what? Snacks, I understand. That's, does that mean I can preach for longer? That's what I'm thinking. That was the outcome. I thought, well, okay, we're set up for a long preach. Anyway, I went... University, went to university. Now, I was fortunate as I was, I was growing up that I always had my own bedroom and I had a large bedroom in, in, in our house and uh, I, I enjoyed a double bed to myself. Not bad, not bad. Um, occasionally you might have to give it up for somebody else to stay, but, but broadly speaking, that was... I, so I get to university and I... I I'm in my hall, hall of residence room, um, which was a lot smaller than my bedroom. Yeah, they're, they're pretty compact, those things, aren't they? They're, they're, they come economical size somehow. And you, and you think, I've no idea I'm going to fit all my stuff in here, but somehow, but fitting the stereo in was the, was the first part of the process. It was, that was, that was, that was important. And, and, and so the first night I get on, and I've, basically what I'm faced with is a single bed. I haven't slept in a single bed for an hour long. Um, and it didn't have a duvet, it had sheets. This is important. So you think, where's he, where's he going? This is, this is kind of... And, and it was about a six foot long bed. Well, I'm six foot tall. A six foot long bed is not big enough for a six foot long person. It's just something... Ah. So... so and what, what the, the sheets didn't have any spare capacity. So, so this is one that... They had no spare capacity, these sheets. So, so, so I, I, I sort of somehow got myself between the sheets and lay there like I was in a straitjacket. I was like, It was really, it was a, it was a very funny experience. I think, I'm not quite sure I'm going to learn to sleep here at university. This, all these sorts of things you're adjusting to, new life. And then I thought, well, if I loosen the sheets, that that'll, that'll give me room. But then you know what? You lose the sheets and they've got cold. But well, this isn't working. I'm, I'm... Anyway, the next morning, I'm going, and I'm having my mornings quiet time. I'm reading Isaiah, which I have to be honest, is not my normal read. No, I mean, I, some people are absolutely ecstatic about it. I, 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 occasional for me. Um, I'm, I'm much more a Gospels X or that sort of thing. So I was reading Isaiah somewhere, and I found myself in it. Just This, this is the verse. <laughs> got to, so I, was, I think it's chapter 28, verse 20. The bed is too short to stretch out on, <laughs> and the blanket... <laughs> The blanket too narrow to wrap around you. <laughs> I thought, well, look at this. I thought, no, you're kidding. <laughs> I thought, you are joking. There is no way you could have 
got that verse in the Bible. That's, has that always been there, or have you just created that one? <laughs> <laughs> it was, I, and it was a, a really profound moment for me. It was, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was a funny moment, but it was absolutely profound, because I thought, my goodness, he really does know everything about me. Yeah. You know, now, it was, it was, the, the timing was just exquisite. <laughs> and I, I, I didn't half laugh. <laughs> and I, I think I worked out how to do it in the end. Duvet was the answer. So. <laughs> does God know about you? Yeah, he does. And I felt God prompt me with that because I, I think he said to me there's going to be people here right now who you're not convinced God really knows about you. You, you acknowledge that he does, because he always he does, yeah, cause he does, of course he does, because he's God, but actually you don't really fully understand that he understands your exact circumstances that you're living in right now. And you're not convinced that he's Lord of everything for that. If you're, if you're really honest with yourself. I know you acknowledge as a great Christian, of course he is, but actually, and I just wanted, I felt God was saying, he wants you to know he knows everything about you in your circumstances, and he, he's not surprised by anything, and he knew you before the foundation of the world. And he really has got it all under control, in one sense, but then it's your cooperation with that, that that's, that, that's key, and that's where I want to go to. So, if you can turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I was reading this last, um, last summer, and um, it was sparked by a book I started reading, and um, it's not the book that's so, so important, but um, ooh, coming up on there. We start at verse 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, and it sparked off a, a thinking and study that I was, uh, I pursued for a short while, and, and then, you know, it's, it's, it's been resting with me, and I felt this is what God reignited for me to talk to you about today. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, it says, <coughs> uh, let's start, when they measure themselves by themselves, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. Yeah, that do. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, it's a bit, of, uh, uh, <laughs> a bit confusing and difficult to understand. They are not wise. It'll get easier, don't worry. So, We, who are, however, will not boast beyond proper limits. Now, that's interesting. Is it not, you won't boast beyond proper limits. Now, that, that, it's a strange word, boast, isn't it? But it's that sense of... of um, I don't know how to, it's, it's almost a, a non-Christian word. Not allowed to boast, are you? But there is a sense of there are things that you boast about. I don't know if you do. Do you boast about stuff? I boast about my grandkids all the time. It's, it's I know I was up in Dundee on Friday, and I was doing had a great, really, really good time in Dundee. Really, I was pretty happy with time in Dundee. And um, I was teaching them, and, and I, I, I raised the question, and we won't go into it in great detail about: Are you allowed to be proud? Oh, ooh, no, proud. Pride. I said, no, actually, the Bible teaches you to be proud. But there's right pride and there's wrong pride. And if you substitute the word delight for pride, so I'm proud of my grandkids. I'm proud of my children, which means I take delight in them. Are you allowed to be proud of yourself? Yeah, actually, the Bible teaches you to be proud of yourself. 
and I won't go into that. They've got, there's a sermon on the Eastgate website if you want to find that. But it basically says the problem with pride is if, if, you, if it becomes comparison between yourself and other people, which is actually what it talks about here. So when you don't go beyond your limit, is, is, is that I'm, 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 I delight in who God has made me to be and the works that he's given me to do. Do you know when he, when he designed the works for me to do? Again, before the foundation of the world. So he's, he's prepared good works in advance for me to do. My determination is to run and try and complete all the works that he's put in front of me. Yeah, because I think it's possible to, to, to not complete all the works. Yeah? So I want, to, I want to run my race. And this is my dream of my life. I want to run the race, know that I've finished all the works that he's prepared and advanced me to do, break the tape, and then I'll see you later. My wife, Kim, when I first started talking about this, says, hey, what about me? I said, well, we, I guess we better run at the same pace. Yeah. <laughs> she says, who do you, who? I think we fancy finishing the race about the same time. Breaking that tape together. <laughs> and going through. So that, that's, my, that's one of my dreams. So, <clears throat> he's not going to post beyond our property, but we'll confine our boasting to the sphere a service God himself has assigned to us, a sphere that also includes you. So, so what I want to tell you is that God has assigned a sphere of service to you. A sphere is, in its, is, a, is a, an area of influence. The Greek word for this is metron. Okay, now the word metron, is, it, it, you find it in different places, and it's translated in different ways uh, in the English versions. But uh, if, you, if you want to study it, and I, this, is, this is the study that I went on. I went on the study of the, of the word metron because um, I thought it was interesting. It's, it's important to know your sphere that God has assigned to you and to know what he's not assigned to you as well. But he's assigned a sphere to everyone. So you'll get to play a part in what is our, the overall scheme of things. Yeah, so he's got the universal thing that you get a part to play in, and he's assigned it. And got, elsewhere it says God has apportioned things. We're, we're going to look at that in Ephesians 4. He has, he, he's given you a portion to uh, you know, fulfill that part in the big scheme of things. Now, he's genius enough to, to actually work it out that if you don't fulfill it, somehow he'll get it fulfilled in another way. And that's what foreknowledge is about and predestination, all those sorts of things. Because he, 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 he's outside of time. He doesn't exist. He's not, he's not readjusting the plan on the hoof. He doesn't he's going, oh, whoops, 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 because he's not caught, caught out because he exists outside of time. He sees it the beginning and the end. It's, so it's, but the genius is that, that, that he can put it all together, but he wants you to fulfill the part that you've given because that's what will give you the greatest fulfillment in life. And what, what, what I find is that Christians, that one of the biggest things within Christianity is, is the, the problem of comparison, where you, you, you continually compare, comparing yourself to somebody else and wishing you were like them, or, or oh, if only I had, only had your faith, if only I had, if only, if only, if only, if only, if only, if only, and if only is a dreadful way to live. No, so, so don't try and be me. I'm me. Liz and, Liz and Irene are grateful that there's only one me. They, 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 
They have the, 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 these two have the job of trying to organize not just my life, but the life and chaos that I create around me. And, uh, uh, so I had instructions from Irene that when I came back from holiday, I wasn't to come back with any new ideas. <laughs> this, this, this was the clear... And, and, and Liz and I have worked together for ooh, more than 20 years. It's been Irene alongside me for more than 10 years now, so they both know me pretty well. And um, every now and then, they're really grateful when I go away from Eastgate for a while. <laughs> Thank goodness Pete's gone for a couple of weeks on a ministry trip because it gives us time to catch up because <laughs> I'm always creating a bit more chaos around me. So, but, um, but, but, but I want, no, don't, you can't be me. And also, this is, this is really important, Hope Church can't be Eastgate Church, which is the whole point of living far is actually recognition of, of actually that, that you have a sphere assigned to you and, and this is nothing. So, so there's a universal picture, there's the individual picture, but there's also the, um, what I call the congregational picture, that, that God has an assignment in localities for his people. And that's the church. Now, now I think it's slightly more complicated in our era because when the New Testament was written, uh, a city had a church. That has churches, but actually you should have a church in one sense. So that, that's how putting it back together in unity is really important. So, 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 okay. So let, let's let's go on. Is is that um, uh, we're not going too far in our boasting, as would be the case if we had not come to you. <coughs> for we did get as far as you with, uh, we, for we did get as far as you with the gospel of Christ. Neither did we go beyond our limits of boasting of work done by others. I hope, now this is, this, this is the bit that really got me, I hope is that as your faith continues to grow, our sphere of activity, and that means metron, that's the word metron, our metron among you will greatly expand. And that's the bit that got my attention. Because I find a lot of churches have great ideas about expansion. Many, many churches want to transform their cities have influence. So, so if you think of, we use the word influence a lot. So if you, how, how big is your sphere of influence? And a lot of people have, have, have great dreams and aspirations for even five-year visions, 10-year visions. We've got a 40-year vision at Eastgate. That was challenging to get a 40-year vision. Um, but what I want to let you know, that this, this verse gives you the key of how that will actually come about. Because there's a condition there. What's the condition? I hope is that as your faith, what? Continues to grow. Now that, that's, that's the key. So in order for this to become a reality, your faith has to continue to grow. Now, that is the bit that I, I, I'm going to try and open up a little bit, but I haven't got enough time to. Because I've got at least a 15-point sermon on that, and I'm writing a book about it at the moment. So, so we, we just literally... So, 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 so. <clears throat> but I'm trying to help you. That, that, so do you want your faith to grow? Yes. And to continue to grow? Well, that, that's, that's a fantastic, actual, eternal adventure. And I'll just, if I summarize up, summarize what I think faith is. Faith is, is your connection to God. 
And they say, well, it's just, really? Which is as simple as that? Yeah, it's as simple as that. So, so I'll illustrate it. Nick, Nick, just come up here a minute. Okay. Just, you can stand that way round. <laughs> Remember the story of, of the uh, lady who'd been bleeding for 12 years? That's not you. It's going to be me. Okay, you're, you're, you, you get to be Jesus. You get to be Jesus. You get to be Jesus in this. You get to be Jesus. That's good. 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 He's, Jesus has grown a bit, but we're. It, 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 okay. So what did what did faith look like in that moment? It looked like this. Wow. I just connected to Jesus. That's it. That's, that's, that's as simple as that. Do you want to? Well done, Mr. Jesus. It's, it's, Jesus said, wow, your faith healed you. What, what did her faith look like? It looked pushing through the crowd of social rejection, disappointment, 12 years, you know, you know it, it, massive things to actually, I'm going to connect to him because what she says, I know that if I touch him, I will be healed. That's what faith looks like. Faith is an assurance of things hoped for. So, so there's this... I'm going to get hold of him. I'm just going to touch him because I touch him. I know something's going to happen. There's a power exchange that goes on because Jesus said, power went out for me. Now, what is interesting in that dynamic, if you read the story, is that it tells very clearly that, that there was a crowd around him and it says they were thronging around him, which means they were pressing in. So, so, so when, when Jesus said, who touched me, you think, well, the disciples go, what do you mean, who touched you? You know, there's a whole crowd here. You just read the gospel, it says, crazy, 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 crazy. What a stupid, stupid question. Who touched you? Duh, duh, duh. <laughs> it's like, so, but I want to suggest, it doesn't, I'm not being exclusive in it, but, but what the Bible would suggest is that there was one lady who touched him in faith. There were a lot of people who touching him. There were a lot of people in the crowd. But we only get the account of one lady who got an exchange. Very possible to be in the church, be in the crowd, and not connect to Jesus. And I come across a lot of people say, well, it didn't work for me. I was there, but nothing happened. I prayed. The person didn't get healed. They're really real questions, but the only answer I've got to offer you is actually somehow you have to connect to the Jesus that you need at that moment in time. Now, he's not just the healer, is he? He's the comforter. So what do you do when you need comfort? Who do you go to? Will you touch Jesus? Is he the Prince of Peace? Yeah. So who do you touch? Is he the all-powerful one? Yeah, he, he, he's all these things. And what, what, the reason your faith can always continue to grow is that he is eternal and infinite. So that there is no limit to how much your faith can grow. You got that? So, so, so the faith is about knowing him. It says that's faith is about his no, believing he exists, that he is. So, so, so your faith 
can always grow. So what I would say to you, wherever your faith is here right now this morning, you have an opportunity to grow. How's that going to happen? You choose to connect to Jesus. And sometimes you push through things and past things, which could be your disappointments and, you know, 12 years of this. I've been suffering this for 12 years. I understand. What's the answer? Touch Jesus. I tried that once. didn't work. Touch Jesus. You obviously didn't manage to touch him in faith. I'm not condemning you. I'm just, it's a reality check. You know, it's somehow, somehow, didn't get the exchange. So, as you continue to grow in faith, then what will happen is there's an inevitable outcome that the sphere of influence you have grows. Okay? He who is faithful with little, more will be given. That, that, that's it. So, 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 now, again, I was teaching some of your leaders yesterday that, that <clears throat> I think sometimes Christians interpret that, 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 that you get a little thing, and if you're faithful with that, God will give you a slightly bigger thing. And then, then you give you another little thing, so that if you're faithful with that, you get another, ooh. So you do this sort of, ooh, ooh, ooh. But that's, that's not what the Bible teaches you, and it's not the way that God works. He says, so if you're faithful with this little thing here, he gives you this thing here, then you conquer that, that becomes your little thing. So he gives you this. Then that, it's not that this becomes... Now, how many of you have done battles for parts of your Christianity that are just firmly established, that they're not, they're not a battleground anymore? Like prophesying, pre- speaking in tongues. You think, that was a big thing. Wow. That speaking in tongues, am I making it up? How do you do this thing? Well, that sounds like nonsense. Think, think I'll stop. I did for nine months. I, I, that was my, my life. So actually, I wasn't faithful with it. I didn't know what to do with it, it and it, it effectively died. It's true. So I, God baptized me in the Spirit spontaneously, out of the blue. This noise came out of my mouth. I thought, what's that? And then the devil whispered in my ear, you're making it up. I thought, oh, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I want to be genuine. And my desire to be so genuine extinguished the gift. It literally for nine months. And then, then, then some wise person helped me understand that I'd really had got a gift and actually God wanted me to use it. So I thought, all right, oh, that's good. Then I discovered I could use it a bit more. So and now it's a firm foundation in my life and I speak in tongues 24 hours a day. And I said, that, we won't go into that, but it's one of those things that I was faithful with it. And it's going, I don't have to battle over that anymore, but there are other battlegrounds like healing. Right, heaven and healthcare, we're going to take that one. Woo! There's a world. There's a world to win. Woo! Kind of looking forward to this afternoon. Thanks for hosting that with us. So, so <clears throat> okay. So, we, you're going to get to preach the gospel beyond the regions. That sense that God wants to take you beyond what you've already got, and that is actually the opportunity of that is literally never ending. Okay. So. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4. It's about half 12 land, isn't it? Half 12 land and then receive the fire of God. Will that be right? Yeah. Won't be fun, won't it? Good. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. 
Okay, how many of you have had so many sermons on Ephesians chapter 4, you think there's nothing else I could ever get out of that? I, I, that, was, that? That was me. When I started to do the study, I thought, oh, no, not Ephesians chapter 4 again, please. No, I, I've done so many sermons on that, I can't be anything new. But then I thought, oh, actually, there is something new. For my mind, anyway. Verse 7, to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. I thought, oh, I understand that in a slightly different way now. He doesn't just give you grace for salvation, he's, he's apportioned something to you. Okay, so he has given you something. It says, now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work. What's his work? What's his metron? The universe. Okay, remember back there? His work? The universe. So so you get to play a part in his work. so, So the job of the... Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, is to equip every saint to do the work of filling the universe. Amazing. To build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith (laughs) and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. Now, there's this measuring up. Now, that word measure is metron. So, so until we attain to the measure of the full and complete standard of Christ. Wow. So, so, so that the end of this journey is that we will, all, our, all our metrons will come together as he's apportioned them to achieve the full measure of Christ. Metron of Christ. <laughs> is that not amazing? How significant is your life? Whoa. We've got a part to play in this big thing called the church. The universe. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown around by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced. There's the word influence. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. I'm not sure if it's the same thing by the teaching and cunning. So I'm just reading this. I think it's a New Living Translation. I've got this one. And, um, instead, now this is really important, we will speak the truth in love. Yeah, there is verse 15. How do you relate to other Christians? Or how do churches relate to each other <laughs> in love is, is meant to be the answer this is one of the things we're trying to explore what does it look like to walk together in love with respect understanding that you have a metron we have a metron that we're all involved in this big thing called the church the universe that we will speak the truth in love Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. He designed it before the foundation of the world. He designed this to fit together perfectly. Don't know why the the idea of IKEA has just come to mind. If I had a bit that one of those bits of furniture, you think, I haven't got enough bits. Just doesn't, this doesn't fit together perfectly. 
Actually, it usually does. They're pretty good, actually. They're designed. I'm not a DIY freak, to say the least, anyway. <laughs> he makes it fit together perfect. Now, this is, this is okay, and this is where we're going to land. Okay, so, yep, we've got to go across to verse 16, isn't it? He makes the whole body fit together perfectly <coughs> as each part does its own special work. Okay, so... <clears throat> as each part does its work. The end of verse 16, that is the word metron. So the Greek word there is metron. It, as each part does its work, end of verse 16, the work bit is metron. The special work. It's a, in, in the NLT, it's actually, it talks about special work. It's, it's the work that is specially designed for you to do. Is that not beautiful? So as each part does its special work without having to compare and contrast with other people's special work, who's got the most special work to do? All of us without comparison. Who's, who's going to do your special work? Well, you. Not your leaders. Not the pastors. Not the apostles. You. Your specially designed work. Prepared for you in advance before the foundation of the world to, to take part in this thing. And it says, <coughs> what's it? It'll all grow up. In the anyway, it is, I think you're getting the idea, aren't you? Is this not amazing? So what's the key for this being true in your life? Because you know, this, is, this, is, this is a fantastic aspiration. It's, I want to tell you, it's not humbug. This is God's design. And if he, um, in Isaiah 9, again, it talks about the increase of his government, there'll be no end. And actually, at the end of that, that verse, it says, that the zeal of God will accomplish this. Or perform this. It's in Isaiah 9, verse 7. The zeal of God will, will perform this. It will happen. And God chose you for, the, for joy's sake, for the joy set before him. You are his joy. This is, he paid the price for you to be part of this joy, which is his dream. And what he wants you to do is to connect to him and grow in faith. What's that mean? Growing in faith is really as simple as this. It's growing in trust in Jesus. As you know him, you'll trust him. As you trust him more, then you'll see more happen. Here's a question for you. When, when does your faith tend to grow the most? <laughs> when do you need to trust him more? Probably in the most challenging times is your faith likely to grow the most. And some people say to me, Pete, I wish I had your faith. <laughs> My friend Julian Adams once said that he often has people come up to him and say, could you pray for me to have your anointing? He says, hmm. It depends whether you want my challenges. 
Every, every day presents an opportunity to grow in faith. Do you know that? Every day is a fantastic opportunity to connect to Jesus in a brand new way. See, the mercies of the Lord are new every morning. That just doesn't mean, say, you get forgiveness every day. It's not that suddenly you get on your knees and plead for mercy. The mercies of God releasing his, his stuff every day is an opportunity to, to fulfill life's purpose for yourself. What else is promised every day in the Bible? Every day we'll have enough trouble of its own. You don't have to, don't have to look for it. Uh, again, this is, <laughs> when, I was, when I was a young Christian, I thought that, I, that if I, you know, you grew through the challenging times, it was wise to, to, to pray for more trouble. <laughs> so I could grow more. <laughs> Seriously, a bit of persecution, that's what we needed. We needed a bit of persecution, because those Chinese Christians, they really know what they're doing, and, and we're just a bit fluffy around the edges, really. So it's too, too, far too comfortable in our Christianity, us Westerners. So, so I used to pray for a bit of persecution to do me good. But cotton on, not a good idea. <laughs> Why? Because every day is going to present enough trouble. That's it, not too much trouble, just enough. Just enough. Just enough for today, thanks. And then tomorrow, you know what? You get another pack. <laughs> just enough. Just enough. What? Just enough to what? Help you grow. To help you expand into your metron. Isn't that beautiful? Every day. So, Jam Mac, come up here. Jan's going to help me. We want to just, we only have got a couple of minutes, but we'll, we can continue on after that. I want to release the power of God in this place because what the Bible says is that your faith should not rest on man's wisdom but on the power of God. Because yeah. if you touch Jesus, you need to be convinced he's got power to do something. Yeah. That lady was. A lot of people were just crowding around, but there wasn't any power. Yeah. So... We can, in one sense, release it. I need you to respond in faith to connect to it. Yeah. So that's what we're going to do right now, isn't it? Yeah. So in the worship, I, what I saw was this river of fire uh, running down um, the aisle. Ugh. And um, I really feel like, actually, just what Pete's been sharing about, actually, like that woman with issue of blood actually choosing to connect in faith to Jesus. Like, we all need to know that connection so that we can go out into our week knowing that actually our sphere of influence and our faith growing is something that he wants us to do. So I just really felt like actually if this is, you know, that we're free here, so you don't have to, but I really feel like if you're um, wanting to connect with Jesus, actually to get yourself um, into the aisle, it would be something to do. And then, yeah. Wow! <laughs> I, re I released the power of heaven in this place to do what you alone can do. If you're, if, you're not, if you're not used to, not used to crazy and noisy, then I'll just help you. By, on, Pen, on a day of Pentecost, it talked about a violent wind coming, and the noise attracted the whole city. So, whoa! So, Father, I, I want to release the gift of faith in this place right now. So, I just want to, want to help you understand. 
the Bible talks about a gift of faith. It's in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's a gift of faith. It almost seems like it's cheating. But you can ask for a gift of faith. Because God wants you to have more connection with him. It's not, it, you understand? There is a sense of what you're asking for there is, is this something that comes along that will impact your, your being with a, with a degree of, of, of confidence and assurance in God that you didn't have in the same way before. Okay? That, that is a gift that God wants to give you right now. So, so I, want to, I want you to ask for that gift. I, I can't ask for it on your behalf. I can release it into, I can release it into the room. But I need you to connect with that by faith. So, Father, I want to release the gift of faith in this place right now. I, re I release the gift of faith that will increase connection and confidence in these dear people. Your example is, see, the lady that we were talking about, she was confident that if she touched Jesus, there was, her faith was confident, Okay. Confidence is not arrogance. Confidence, confidence is, is an assurance of trust in a person, or, or it can be a services, but in this case, in, how confident are you in Jesus? Well, at the moment, God wants to give you a download of confidence and faith. Yeah? So I, I, I see that coming down now as a river out of heaven. I want something else I'd like you to respond. I, I want you to, I, I can't, again, I can't do this for you, but I can, sort of, I can give you words that you can actually choose to agree with, but I, I can't make the words yours. They have to be yours because you choose to own them. But, but it's a sense, I, this is my determination. I, I, I determine in my life to continually grow in faith. They're never to settle. I, 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 I've, I've decided that I'm never going to settle for the level that I've got to, but I'm going to continue to grow. Why? Because I want to know him. That, that's the, the old, the, the, it's not because... It's not, and hear me right, it's not because I want to be more influential, although I like to be influential, that the, the desire is I want to know him more. The outcome is that your sphere will grow. Does that make any sense? It's, it's, it's the motivation is, I want to connect to him in, in increased measure. But that also gives me a confidence that the influence that he gives me will, will expand. It's not wrong to have those desires, it's just getting them in the right order seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will get added to you yes so so, so let's father we, we choose to seek first your kingdom yeah. we choose to seek first you and connection with you but we do embrace the concept of all things being added to us father we, we pray and I, I pray right now for the influence of this group of people in their individual spheres and their communal spheres to increase. That the kingdom of heaven will expand into different areas of society. This is, this is, this is actually extremely profound, what I'm trying to communicate with you, is, is the significance of your individual life. But your life in isolation will not achieve what God plans for it because he puts us in community. Christianity is not designed to, to work individually. It has to work communally. That's just why it says, it's, it's that sense of the instruction, speaking the truth in love, how we, how, we, how we interact with one another. And Jesus said that the world will understand we're his disciples by the love we have for one another. There, there, there's, a, there's an aspect of how we interrelate 
And then in John chapter 17, it says that actually if you, you, you'll understand that, that, that you, you actually share his glory. Now, this is an amazing concept in John 17, everyone individually, but we together. And we, and we abandon the, the concept of comparison and competition, and, and we allow that, those, those truths to unite us. It said, then the world will believe. And I would suggest to you that the world is, is struggling to believe the church because the, the, the church doesn't always like each other. And they're not quite convinced why they would join in. They really don't want to join in with religious hatred, broadly speaking. It's not attractive. It's not attractive on the world stage. You know, you know, it's, it, you know what I'm talking about. It just isn't attractive, religious hatred. Is, but actually, unless they discern something different within the church, then it, it's, the, the world is not going to believe. So, so your faith has to have an outcome of working it out, which is actually, part of working out in faith is actually the way we interact with one another. It's very practical. So if I can give you, if I can give you a practical outworking of your faith, how you could ground this this week is decide that you're going to encourage another Christian and choose to bless them in some way. And I'm, I'm a bit of an out, beyond your normal sphere. Yeah? This is quite easy because I'm not saying you like, go out there and lead hundreds of people to Jesus. I'm asking you to, to somehow connect to another. It might be within your own church. It could be another place or workplace. But actually do something that's a, just a little stretch this week of what you would normally do. And it could be simply a nice word of encouragement or, oh, actually, what well, I'm going to try and prophesy over you. Or it could be a, an act of kindness. These are, these are all fruits. Of, do you understand? I'm trying to ground this this week for you. So, so you put something into practice this week. Because if you're faithful with this, it literally has no limit to where it can go.